This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Welcome to another episode of Courage Cast. I'm Eric Nordoff. I'm so glad to be back with you. I love doing this podcast and I thank you for listening. I thank you for all the great responses that you give me and I just love you. Thank you for being such a courageous community to actually listen to this and uh, I know you're getting a lot of value from it because you're telling me that. So I'm grateful for you. Well, I hope you enjoyed last week's guest. Last week's guest, of course, was Elisa Turner, singer, songwriter, with a tremendous story, Singing Through Sorrow. If you haven't listened to that and uh, you want a good boohoo, but come out of it feeling so many lessons learned and f- having lived vicariously through her life and being grateful that you didn't have to actually experience all of that to get these kind of lessons. I encourage you to go back and listen to Elisa Turner and her story. But before we get to today's guest with Pat Flynn, of course, of Smart Passive Income, I'm so excited to share it with you. It's a great interview. I want to remind you of a few things in the courageous community. First, if you are someone who has lost their confidence, who've been hit hard, taken a few good punches, sucker punches in your life, or maybe you got yourself into a bit of trouble and you're looking to dig out of that. And and in the process, you lost some of your confidence. We all do. Well, we've got a free resource for you on courageouscommunity.com. If you go to that website right there, you'll see in at the very top five steps to getting your confidence back. These are lessons that I've learned, time-tested lessons that I've learned in my personal battle with confidence. It's a simple PDF five steps walks you through how that I've the steps I've gone through to get getting my confidence back as well as just a real short video of me kind of explaining my process and sharing some of my story. I think you'll love it. So go there, courageouscommunity.com. Also, you can be a patron. You can support the Courage Cast by going very simply to our Patreon page. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, Patreon dot com forward slash Courage Cast. All one word is where you can go. Go check that out. See how you can become a patron of of our Patreon page and a patron of the Courage Cast. Um, For as little as a dollar a month, you can support the Courage Cast Um, all the way up to our $50 a month program, which is our book club slash courage box. That uh, is a dream and a vision that, uh, that I hope to, to give you and support you with. So consider becoming a patron. Okay. So after the interview today, I want to encourage you to stick around because I will share some of my personal big takeaways from my conversation with Pat Flynn today and really put a highlight on the things that I've learned that I'm going to take away that I'm going to apply to my life after talking with Pat today. I'll also announce next week's guest at the end of the show, and you will not want to miss who next week's guest is. This has primarily now become an interview podcast, whereas before you were hearing a lot of shorter messages from me, just from the day-to-day of life, things I was learning. And while that's great, I'm still going to be doing that. I'm just going to be doing that in a different way. I'll be doing that via email. 
So if you haven't subscribed, when you subscribe to the confidence, the five steps to get your confidence back, you will also be subscribing to our email list. So I'll be doing more of those types of messages just in a different way, just a different delivery, not on the podcast necessarily. Uh, And this podcast is primarily becoming an interview show in case you're wondering. All right. So it is now time to introduce this week's guest. This week, I dive into one of my more applicable conversations that I've had on CourageCast with the Smart Passive Income podcast host, online marketing guru, and speaker, the one and only Pat Flynn. Pat is a leader and key influencer in the world of online entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and lifestyle business. With over 100,000 downloads, a podcast episode, that's pretty big, folks. I'm happy if I get 1,000. His podcast has become a go-to in the entrepreneurial world. What I love most about Pat is the vulnerability he brings to a circle that isn't really known for its celebration of authenticity. He's the real deal. He shoots straight, and he's a genuinely nice guy. In this episode, Pat talks about all the scenarios he's had to overcome to get the success he's now experiencing. He tells me about the time his website was hacked, the day a hater left a 1,000-word comment that wouldn't go away in the moment he was almost sued after the launch of his first website. It seems like it's been one thing after another for Pat, but the cool part about his story is the lessons he takes away from each experience and the fact that he never gave up and he's reaping the rewards. Ladies and gentlemen, friends of the Courage Cast, here is my interview with Smart Passive Income host and leader. Pat Flynn. Well, I have and am incredibly honored to have Pat Flynn on my podcast. Pat, welcome to the Courage Cast. Hi, thank you for having me, Eric. Yeah, grateful to have you on. You're out in San Diego. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and uh, you have been out here to the great state of Tennessee. I know you've traveled here for a few things. Uh, you've been to Michael Hyatt's events here maybe once. Mm-hmm. How do you yes. like Nashville? Do you like, I've never met a group of people so friendly, like even just strangers. Like I remember one time, and, and also like, you know, when an outsider comes in, like I I know that because when I came in, it was, uh, I don't remember what month it was, but it was a little cold. And for me, being from San Diego, cold was like in the <laughs> 60s. Right. So I was wearing like a sweater and, a, and like multiple layers and pants and everybody who came up to me was just so friendly. Mm-hmm. But then I, re- I realized that they all knew I was from out of town because one person said, you're not from here, right? And I was like, well, how did you know? And he's like, well, I can see by what you're wearing. <laughs> and so I could see why everybody just kn- like knew to target me. I don't know if like you guys are friendly to each other but i think you guys are too but to me especially it was like hey out of towner welcome like what right. can i help you with and you don't get that really all the time here in the west coast uh which is unfortunate but um i love it and and, and of course just the culture and the music and just everything around about nashville and that area is, is amazing i was in franklin not too long ago uh, either and no another way. place you called blackberry Frank- farm which is in, in, you were in franklin that's like that's pa- my just hometown. passing by that's my hometown oh, I didn't man. Know yeah that Mm-hmm. Just passing by, yeah. Anyway, I love it there, and it seems like everybody else is too. Everybody's moving to either like Austin or Nashville, at least in the 
circles that I hang out with. Yeah, when I first moved here in the 90s uh, to work in the music industry, uh, everybody was coming from California because they just love the quality of life, great for families. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's, we have a lot of uh, transplants here and we're really friendly to, to, uh, to out of towners. So uh, I'm glad you got that good Tennessee treatment. I know you've had um, Shane and Jocelyn from Flip Your Life uh, on from Kentucky. And uh, so we, we, we really like uh, Pat Flynn. I think our Southerners are very receptive to, to you. So that's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All right. So Pat, um, this is obviously the Courage Cast, and I've kind of prepped everybody already uh, to who you are and what you're about and why I think you're amazing. And I'm not going to give you a big ego boost here, I, I promise, but uh, I've already kind of tell- told them how much I love Pat Flynn and how amazed I am that, that you're on this podcast. So um, what I want to dive into, though, is I think there's some amazing, there's some things that make you, uh, your story very unique. And I think one of them is that you had moments where you could have maybe quit uh, in in your entire you know uh, your career since starting um, uh, with the smartpassiveincome.com. What what were some of those two or three pivotal moments in your you know early days when you first started the Smart Passive Income website? I guess that was the first thing you, well, other than you, you did have um, uh, Green Exam Academy, which is really what launched yeah. it all. But what were two yeah, three I mean, my pivotal first moments? Foray into, uh, well, I mean, there's, uh, that's going to be difficult because there's multiple and they, they continue to happen. You know, as I push myself, as I continue to expand what I do and, and try harder at things and try different things, like that fear just comes at me every single time. And, you know, what's really interesting now is I've learned to kind of, reverse what fear is to me. Fear used to be this sign that I shouldn't go down that route. Mm. But now fear is a sign that I should go down that route. It really means that something is that important to me or I'm going big enough. If, I, if I'm now doing new things and I'm not scared about what might happen, I'm probably not going big enough. And that's how I frame my mind around fear now. But in the beginning, I, did, I, did, I, I almost, like you said, completely stopped what I was doing multiple times. I mean, with my first online business, which was about architecture, and helping people pass a particular exam in the architecture industry. I mean, there were so many moments from um, just in the beginning before even getting anything up uh, online, just like, what am I doing here? Am I going to win? Like, is, am I going to fail? Who am I going to let down in the process? Am I even qualified to do this? Like, these are all the kinds of questions that were going through my head. And eventually, you know, to help me through that, I got connected with the right people. Mm-hmm. You are the average of the five people you hang around with most. So I was, I was hanging out with a lot of people who were successful or building their online businesses because that's the world I knew I would want to get into because um, I saw what it did for a lot of other people and their families as well. So, you know, I pushed a little bit harder because of the people I surrounded myself with and they held me accountable. They helped me set goals. They helped me push through the fear. Um, but then like I would come across another thing that would try to stop me. For example, I remember when I f- first wrote my um, very first publication online, this was an ebook to actually help people pass this exam. This was even before Smart Passive Income existed. I knew that the first thing I had to do was write the books. So I, I spent about a month and a half writing a study guide to help people pass the exam. And then it was my turn to go, okay, how am I going to sell this thing? And then I just, all these feelings of, wow, you like I spent all this time and I looked at it and I knew it was good information, but I said, like, who am I to actually publish this? Is even anybody going to sell it? And even if I do, like, are they going to like it? Are they going to like me? Are they going to think I'm a fraud? Like all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So again, using the same motivators to push me through, I pushed through. And even after I had my first sale, I remember my very first sale of that book was $19.99 minus PayPal fees. And I remember getting my first notification for a sale the day after I published it at 8.40 a.m. and getting so excited about it, fist pumps in the air, then immediately crawling back into my shell thinking, oh my gosh, what if this, what if this person refunds it? What if this person <laughs> like reports me? You know, like all these, like immediately after the good feelings, these bad feelings will come and try to counter it, right? Mm-hmm. This is sort of yin and yang uh, that we all experienced in life. And I, I, I learned to like listen to the positive stuff more than the, than the negative stuff now. Yeah. Um, there were other moments, even with that same business, I remember in March after my business was, you know, after that one single book was making twenty to $30,000 a month, um, I had gotten this uh, letter from the United States Grim. Green, Green Building Council, the USGBC, they're the people who administer the exam. Mm-hmm. And the letter was, hey, uh, you have to stop what you're doing in 10 days or else we're going to like sue you. And I was like, what is going on here? I just immediately put my hands up like, okay, this is a sign. I'm done. Like, what am I getting into? Where else can I find work now? But obviously, after speaking with a lawyer, he brought me back down to earth and it was like, no, you're just, you were using their trademark in your domain name. You, you're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, are they going to sue me? And they're like, no, just change your domain name and you'll be fine. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did. And I was fine. It wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our brains tend to take these events and, you know, blow them out of proportion. Um, so I had almost quit because I was just like, I'm done. But then that, that got me through. Uh, the same United States Green Building Council, and I love them, by the way. I, I know I'm telling bad stories about them, but I, I love them. Um, they eventually came out with their own study guide. Huh. And in my head, I was like, why would people people, they didn't have their own study guide before. I was like one of the first ones to, to create one. Um, they created their own guide for their own exam. And I thought it was done because why would people buy an exam guide from a random dude in San Diego, California, who didn't even get a perfect on the uh, on the test <laughs> where they could actually buy the study guide from the people who write the questions, right? right I was right. like, I'm done. I'm done. Well, I ended up selling more books that month when they came out than I had ever sold in my life. And it was because people were like, oh, you can get study guides. What other guides are there available? Oh, I would much rather learn from Pat Flynn, who is just one or two steps ahead of me. I see his face. He seems relatable. He seems like he knows what he's talking about versus this faceless company or organization. And so they preferred to go down that route and and learn through me. And I was able to help tens of thousands of people pass that exam. Uh, with, With smart passive income, I mean, there was a lot of things. I think the biggest one that almost stopped me was uh, were, were the haters. Mm. Um, you know, they, 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 they say that the, the bigger you go um, and the more impact you make in this world, the more haters you will get. Uh, and everybody was like, dude, like that's a good sign. You're getting haters. It means you're doing, doing things right. And I, I didn't see it that way. Like I see it now. I, I, I see where they're coming from when you say that. But, you know, I saw it as I am not doing things right because I wanted to make everybody happy. And when right. people were like, dude, you're, you're, just making these numbers up or like, I don't believe you, even though I was posting everything in terms of where I was making money, how I was making this money, things that were going right, things that were going wrong in my monthly income reports, people just still found the need to, uh, to, 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 to because I was putting myself out there, target me. Mm-hmm. And there was one time where a guy said that I was a fraud, that I was a fake, that none of this was real, that I wasn't actually making money online, although I obviously was. Um, I remember, remember he posted a like a thousand word comment on one of my blog posts that was just very hateful and you know I, I tried to ignore it and I just you know in the back of my head I was really upset but I was like okay I'm just I'm just gonna ignore this and, and, and delete it this is my blog you don't belong here well I got about two dozen emails from my friends the next day saying hey who's this guy who's posting this thousand word comment on my blog 
he went around to every blog that I was featured on and posted that same exact hateful comment. Wow. And just basically tried to ruin me in that way. And I couldn't believe it. And later on, when I finally mustered up the courage to reach out to him and be like, like why are you doing this? Um, this is really hurtful. He said, well, you seem like an easy target. I was just trying to get traffic to my website. Huh. Wow. That's what he said. Unbelievable. And I was just, I, at that point, you know, I could have gotten really frustrated and upset, but really I felt sorry for him. Mm-hmm. at that point i was like do you really have to stoop to that like let me help you get traffic to your website like an, in a legit way and you know i never really spoke to him again after that but um those are just some of the moments where fear and just wanting to give up came into play uh and we could probably talk for eight hours about yeah. all that because that continues to to, to to come my way i remember when your website crashed right your whole website went down See, point. even you're pulling out memories that, <laughs> like, you know about. <laughs> that uh, was yeah, crazy. that was March of 2013. Uh-huh. March of 2013, my site was hacked, and my servers were down, and um, I ended up uh, losing an estimated amount of fi- anywhere between fifteen and $20,000 as a result. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I, I had an email list that wasn't affected, so I could email my audience and tell them what was going on. I had a podcast that was up, and so people were continuing to get content from me. It wasn't like everything was broken. The podcast was not hosted on my website, mm-hmm. and it just was another stressful moment where I was like, gosh, why is this happening to me? Why me, right? <laughs> um, so there was that. There was like the time that I spoke on stage for the first time, and I wanted to just crawl into a hole and, and die because that was the thing I feared the most, and now I'm obsessed with it. It's the thing I enjoy the most now about about what I do, so you know, all these things always have a big lesson to come along with them. And, and, and the, the biggest lesson is that fear is not anything to be afraid of, mm. if that makes sense. So fear is not anything to be afraid of. So fear... Here's, here's the thing, Eric. When, yeah. when we're born, I was doing research on this. Uh, when we are born, we only have two fears like that are, that are with us when we're born. The fear of falling, which is why like when you pretend to fall with a baby, they'll like put their arms out, like just automatically. That's their innate like reaction to falling is they'll like open their eyes and I mean it looks really funny you see videos on YouTube and people will kind of put them in that motion they just spread they they spread eagle like so big to try and catch themselves right that's just born in us and the second thing is loud sounds which is why when babies hear a loud sound they often will cry and also make gestures similar to what I just mentioned Mm -hmm. those are the only two fears that we're born with think about that all of the other fears that are in our life are learned Wow. And therefore can be unlearned. Yes, absolutely. We're dealt with. Well, we wouldn't take babies would not take literal baby steps. They if they kept falling and they kept, you know, they kept getting frustrated and, you know, uh, if they felt the same right. fears and, you know, discouragement, you know, that we as adults feel, oh, gosh. you know, they would never learn. We to would walk. all be crawling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be awkward. It'd be very awkward. Um uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. What were you doing? Were you doing research for this podcast or were you doing research for something else on that topic of fear? Just fe- just fear in general. I've, I've studied fear because I have it and I want to know what's going on. Like that's uh, the one thing with me is if something's happening, I want to know as much as I can about it so I can see how I might be able to understand it and deal with it or solve that problem if there is. And, and it's just something that's born with us and, and these other fears that they, they're learned. Yeah. Um, I was also... Uh, I interviewed a guy who's got got pretty famous for doing a TED talk. He um, studied rejection by 
challenging himself to get a, a rejected 100 times. Yeah. And so he would go around and do you, do you know who I'm talking about? I can't yeah. remember his name off I'm the top of my head. But, name, but um, I think I've heard that podcast or I've heard him Jang, on a podcast. I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he like would go to people's houses and be like, hey, can I dribble a soccer ball in your backyard? Like, because people would mostly, most likely say no. But he was training himself just to get used to the idea of people saying no because that scared him so right. much, the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that like through his experiment, like 25% of the time people would actually say yes to his ridiculous uh, inquiries. Like one right. time a cop let him sit passenger side and eat a donut with them. Like it was just <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's kind of like if you watch um, Impractical Jokers and you can't believe what those guys do. Oh, oh gosh. I get so uncomfortable watching that. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. But it, you can't help it. My grand, my father-in-law can't watch that show. He says he gets really uncomfortable, feels terrible for the people that they're doing prank pranks mm-hmm. to. But, oh, my gosh. It, it's so irresistible, those guys. Um, and just seeing the stuff that they do, they're deliberately putting themselves mm-hmm. constantly in positions to be rejected or to be embarrassed and all that totally. stuff. Now, of course, they're doing it. They've got other motivations. Their their desire to you know whatever for whatever um, fame or money is maybe higher than than their need to to you know to not be embarrassed. But I love right. I, I think um, Tim Ferriss talks about in in Four Hour Workweek deliberately putting yourself in a position where you could be rejected and um, you know there's a, yeah there's, or like look silly and embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Like I think in, in the Four Hour Workweek he talks he like in one of the end of the. At the end of every chapter, there's like an exercise, and one of the exercises in one of the, the chapters is like go to a mall, yep. and just lay down flat on the floor, and just just sit there for like five or like lay down for five minutes. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, why would you do that? But he's helping you train yourself to just be okay with other people looking at you funny because mm-hmm. that's always going to happen, and there's no way that you can succeed if you just stay in your little comfort zone and like are just holding onto your security blanket this whole time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so Pat, now one of the other aspects of the courage cast is I want, I, I want people to see that they can always do more, not in the sense of that, you know, it's just not enough and I shouldn't feel content or satisfied, but you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you follow Grant Cardone at all and kind of some of the stuff he talks about yep. with yep. 10, 10 X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just this whole 10 X concept of, um, setting your sights higher than you would normally do on your own. Uh, where do you, do you do that? Do you practice that? I mean, you're already so successful. Do you find yourself going through seasons of just kind of being, um, uh, complacent or content, content with where you are, or are you always pushing yourself or, or is it somewhere in between? There, it ebbs and flows. Uh, there are times when I get really encouraged and motivated for whatever reason, um, and I aim really high. Uh, and there are other times where I sit back and, you know, I'm happy, but I'm also, you know, why do I need to go further or go bigger? Like, mm-hmm. I should be happy now. And so, anyway, it, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, but, but I agree with Grant. I agree with, with, with what we're talking about here. That like, we can always do more than when, what we think we can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And it's funny because when I have reached my goals every single time, I'm always surprised actually at how I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I had gotten laid off in 2008 from architecture, um, my goal was just to survive, right? And so that's kind of, that was the motivation 
for me to do what I did online and build my website and you know generate income and that that sort of thing. Then then my goal was to sort of just you know just just make it like be okay financially where I wouldn't have to worry too much anymore and I was able to get there. And then then my goal was to you know uh, pay for my kids' college you know before they were the age of eight and you know that's happened already and I'm like holy crap like how <laughs> like it just I'm always surprising myself at actually how low I'm setting my goals. Mm. Um, and I feel like if I were to actually, like I, if I were to actually set my aim higher, you know, the thing is, even if you don't reach that goal, you'll be higher than where you were if you had just set like a, a, a smaller goal. Mm. I think that's the point here. Like uh, th- this reminds me of, of a demonstration. Like if I were to actually, I don't, obviously we can't see anybody who's listening to this and this might be weird for people to actually do, but if you want to follow along, and do this with me as I, as, I, as I explain it. Like, go ahead and do it. So if I were to ask you all who are listening to this right now, if we, maybe if we were in a room, it would make more sense. But, you know, you could do this right now if you're listening. Okay. Uh, raise, your, raise your hand as high as you can. Okay. Up in the air. I'm doing it. So you're doing that. Now, now raise your hand two inches higher. Okay. Like, you can do it, right? Like, you're stretching a little bit more, more than you thought you would when I said raise your hand as high as you can go. Mm-hmm. There's always another two or three inches that you you can add to that. And it's so awesome to see that done in a room. If you wanted to like, if you're doing some sort of like leadership conference, like go ahead, feel free to use that one. Okay. Uh, that, that was uh, my band director from high school, Dean Hickman. He, he did that. And that was like mind blowing to me. Cause I was always the one to like follow the rules. Like, Ooh, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, anyway, I did it. And then I raised my hand higher and it just blew me away. Cause he, he caught me. Right. But right, I think right. that that helped me understand, wow, we don't even realize how high we can go. Uh-huh. Um, and, and what our limits are unless we get help from the outside and, and actually, you know, demonstrate it for us. So anyway, um, yeah, you always have an extra two to three inches to give. Yeah. Um, and you know, one time I, one time I did that at a conference, that same demonstration and somebody on the second time when I said, raise your hand two or three inches higher, he stood up on his chair and I was like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah like he's sure. not limiting himself to sitting Mm-hmm. Or even just standing, he's going up on the chair, and he had guts—the um, guts, and, guts and to do it in like front of everybody. Right, right. Like, isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, so, so let's let's be the kind of people who will have the courage to, no matter what other people think, we're focusing on how high we're going up and you know, yeah. how far we can reach. One of the things I really like about you, Pat, is uh, your desire to uh, speak to kids. Like your podcast is really, you're really. Um, uh, you're really concerned about making sure that it's a clean podcast and the stuff you talk about is, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, going to be appealing to the entire family. Where does that come from? And well, why is that uh, important to it you? It comes from, it's important to me because I have a couple kids of my own and I want everybody to have a chance to listen and learn. And I think it's really important for kids, especially to learn uh, these basic concepts of entrepreneurship, because that can be taken into any parts of life that they go to, whether they become an entrepreneur or not. If you learn the skills of learning how to manage your fear, learning how to work with other people, how to communicate, how to test ideas, how to work with the failures that you have in your life, like that's going to be huge no matter what it is that you choose to do. And these are the themes that often come up in episodes with the people who I interview. Yeah. And so, you know, I, it's like, I think this partly comes up because I would love to share Gary V with my kids, but I just cannot because mm-hmm. he swears every five seconds. Right. And I mean, not every five seconds. And I love the guy. I get so motivated from him. He's helped me out so much, mm-hmm. but I can't share him with my kids. Yeah. And I don't want to be somebody who 
is held back from being shared because of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so I actually cater the show to the kids and I, I sometimes interview kids and I talk and speak to the kids who are listening on the other end. I know specifically, um, you know, dozens of kids in their names of the people who listen to the show and a lot of uh, people that they listen with their families in the car. Um, I mean, if, if they weren't sharing me with their kids, they wouldn't, they might not even consume me at all because that's right. the only time they're able to listen is when, when they're in the car. Um, and I have two kids of my own and I, I want them to, uh, you know, have opportunities that are um, going to be there and open up for them if they have this knowledge. So I right. want that for other people's kids too. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I sometimes do my podcast with the idea that my, my boys and my daughter are going to listen to it one day and I, I want them yeah, to be proud of their dad, you know? And if they I'm will. gone, if somehow something were to happen to me, I know that they would have, you know, hundreds of episodes where they could listen to my voice and hopefully hear an encouraging word and, um, and oh, get, dude, I love that. Yeah. I get built up. You know, when they're, when they're like, tell me what dad was like. Yeah. Oh, well, here are these episodes that you can really feel what he was like. Right. Here's voice. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I secretly do that. Um, okay. So, um, Pat, one of the things about you that I've always wondered is how do you get so much done? Uh, are you just a, like a freak of nature <laughs> where you, you're just, no, <laughs> no, but, but, but before you had a team, you know, before you had a team around you, and I know that was not until like what, like two, like you started your whole green exam Academy in 2009. Is that right? Or 2008? Something uh, like that. that was, that was, uh, the very start of that was actually late 2007, but it became a business in late 2008. 2008. Um, and then I started Smart Passive Income in, uh, in 2008 as well, but I didn't start hiring like a team like I have now until like 2014. Right. So it's, it's you know, I was I was on my own for five, six years. Yeah. And what you were doing. And getting was, a lot done. You were getting a lot done. Now, I know you were on a different schedule. You had a, a young baby at that time, but, you know, I know you were working like till three in the morning or, or crazy different hours and you're working now, but how do you, how did you kind of, what motivated you? How did you organize your days? And, um, and how is it different today? Yeah, I think the number one thing that has helped me throughout all the years, even now as I have a team is understanding what my priorities are and working on the things that I know are going to be moving the needle. I think that that's one of the things that has helped me is always questioning what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Is this actually something that matters? And if it's not, why am I doing it? Right. And I think that's something that I've always kind of worked with. And it was even more pronounced when my son was born because I remember one day, I know it was kind of a random day and I was working and my wife had my son out in the park or something. And I was just, you know, I caught myself in a, like a YouTube rabbit, rabbit hole. Like I was on the weird part of the internet. Uh, and then I was like, what am I doing here? And I, I, because I had a kid that time, I wasn't like, oh, I'm just wasting time. I said, I'm taking time away from my kids right now by doing this mm-hmm. yeah. or from, from my son and, and my wife right now. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is, this cannot happen. And so it was kind of moving forward from that point. I always question like, well, why am I doing this? And is it important? Mm-hmm. And also working on, uh, like my ROI or my, my efficiency, mm-hmm. uh, my return on, on, uh, investment of my time. And so that's why, you know, I work on big projects and I always challenge myself and that's where the fear comes into play. Um, I'm always marking off uh, my checklist, like how far I am within a project because that motivates me too. like taking a big giant goal, chopping it down into a lot of little mini goals and milestones and just working through that 
And another big thing that has really helped me was something I learned from Jeremy Franson from Internet Business Mastery. And that was this, that's this thing called just-in-time learning mm-hmm. uh, or JIT learning. Mm-hmm. And just-in-time learning is allowing yourself to only consume content that is related to the next thing that you're working on mm-hmm. or that next problem that you have or that pain that you have or that next task that's on your list. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on that, then all the other learning, even though it might be good but just not good for you right now, uh, it really helps you hone in on not only reducing the amount of uh, time you are used using for learning that isn't um, applicable right now, which for many saves like hours of time. That's when I cut out my podcast subscriptions from like 12 to just two, mm. which was a huge time saver. But you're able to actually then take action and move forward on those things that are on your task list even faster yeah. because you're learning specifically about how to get through those things. Now, the big challenge with this is people hate missing out on great content. This is why we follow so many blogs and podcasts and subscribe to so many channels it's because there's a lot of great stuff out there and it's good. And it's just maybe not good for you right now, but, but it is something that you can save. And so I use Evernote and online on, on uh, Chrome, I use Evernote Web Clipper so that whenever I come across an article, I don't feel like I'm missing out on it. I'm just feeling like, okay, I'm just going to put this aside for later. And so I use that to categorize. You know, if I come across like the latest Pinterest strategies, um, Pinterest isn't anything I'm interested in right now, maybe later, but I put it in my Pinterest folder in Evernote and I feel, you know, I feel good knowing that it's there if I need it. Mm-hmm. Now, the funny thing is I hardly ever go back to those folders. Hardly ever. Yeah. How many but times I would think you just say knowing, like once out of one out of 100 or something like that? One out of 100. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. literally hardly any, mm-hmm. uh, which just shows you like how much this fear of missing out yeah. actually governs what we do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. You're absolutely right. I do the same thing. I mean, everybody would say that. It's like we feel obligated. Oh, I should I should stop. And uh, in our industry, in, in the industry that that are the network par- marketing part of my industry, I mean, there's always somebody talking to you about the next great system or the next great thing. And, and um, I think the best thing to do if it's an email or if it's a, a website or something that you're coming across is just, just move that into something like Evernote and put a title on it and say, okay, that's going to be something, something later. Um, I, yeah. I, I love um, what Tim Ferriss says, which is he, he doesn't listen to, doesn't watch news, doesn't, you know, in the book at least, he, he talked about how he just completely went on a news fast and just asked people, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about this? What's happening in the world today? And you can get so much information from just talking to people. Um, so... You're, yeah. you're making a lot of sense there. Um, so Pat, uh, I'm going to ask just a, a few more questions of you. Um, what is the, yeah. um, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned that you would want to pass on at this point in your, in your life, in your career? What's the greatest lesson that you've learned? Yeah. I mean, this is something I teach to my kids all the time, especially my son. Now that he's a little bit older, seven and he's in school and he's, you know, talking to a lot of people and such and, and meeting people. Uh, and that's the thing. It's about relationships. Um, I think about all the best things that have happened in my life. And they are all in and around this world of relationships from how I got my architecture job to how I was able to, to survive after I got laid off to what I do now to the best places that I speak at to where I get to travel to. It's all based on the relationships that I've that I've been able to make. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because when I was younger in middle school and even in high school, 
I was a shy kid. I didn't like talking and meeting new people. If, if, if I had my choice, I would just, you know, be on my own and with my friends and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I would never uh, talk unless I was called upon in class and all this stuff. Um, if I could go back into time and tell myself, you know, one thing to change, it would be, Hey man, you got to like, don't worry about, about what other people think of you. You got to meet and talk to and befriend as many people as possible and at least get them to know who you are mm -hmm. and what you're about because you never know that next person you meet could be a huge game changer with an opportunity. It can be a person who could become your best friend. It could become a person who could help you in some way that you can't even imagine yet. Mm -hmm. And if you don't reach out and put yourself out there and, and get over those fears, then that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Those opportunities will never come. They literally will never come. Um, and so that's one thing that's, that I'm big on that now is even though I'm an introvert and even though I go to conferences and I like get sweaty palms before I get on stage or before I have to go out and, and meet people or I do meetups in, uh, in the different cities that I, I travel to and, you know, 50 or 100 people will come by and want to say hi. And like I still get nervous and I still yeah. like I'm like, oh, it's like, why do I do this to myself? But then I go with it and I just. I talk to people and it's like the most amazing feeling ever. Yeah. And that's the one thing I learned about meeting people is like the hardest part is just all the stuff that happens right before you open your mouth. <laughs> right <laughs> after you start talking to people, everything is so much easier. And so I don't even let that fear get in the way anymore. I have this rule, this rule called the three second rule. If I go somewhere and there's somebody I want to meet or even if it's even if I don't know who that is and I just like I'll just within three seconds strike up a conversation and not give myself time to t talk myself out of it. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's so good, man. Um, yeah, I, 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 um, I, I, you talk about relationships and the, what we would have missed out on um, is just the um, the fact that we were able to. I was able to connect with you on the mutual uh, liking and loving of the Walking Dead TV show, you know, and and mm -hmm. the fact that that I was able to. What I love about you, Pat, is. You you're you're typically are the one that kind of deflects your own praise, and you're kind of. It seems like you might you would you feel more comfortable talking about the other person, and it seems like you want to edify the other person as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, it, I think that's one of a, that's a great trait for anybody to have is don't worry about spending so much time um, attracting. Uh, attention. You're going to get plenty of attention. It's when you shine the light on other people that you actually gain more favor in relationships. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, I always try to credit people with where credit belongs. And um, I always try to heighten other people up because I, th I feel like if I heighten other people up, we'll kind of both grow together. Yeah. And it reminds me of a quote from James Shramko, who runs superfastbusiness.com. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, you know, in order to grow, and, and, and gain exposure and build authority, you have to stop trying to be so interesting and start getting interested. Mm, yeah, you said that. I love that. I, it makes I, complete I, sense. I've added that. I've actually used that in the Courage Cast. I think I even took that oh, yeah, and, and it did a whole episode just on that quote right there because it's so powerful. Yeah, so I love powerful. that. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so Pat, what are you... What are you passionate about right now? Like, where is... Pat Flynn excited to be and what are you excited like super excited about doing right now in your life or your business or anything else yeah I mean in, in my business it's podcasting mm -hmm. podcasting even though I started in 2010 has been continuing to just rock my world in so many ways we just passed uh, the average now download of every episode after four weeks is a hundred thousand downloads now on, <sighs> on my podcast which is just 
blowing my mind. And, you know, I record from my home in San Diego and to, to, to know that every week I basically step into the Tennessee stadium and speak in front of a hundred thousand people who are there to listen to me. Like it just mind boggling. Right. And Uh right now I'm really focused on helping other people start their podcasts too. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some free tutorials and things like that. And I also have a course that's coming out actually it's launching next week, uh, a week from today, actually it's launching publicly for the first time, which I'm really excited about. And Mm -hmm. I already have a huge wait list of people who are, who are looking to get in there and and do it the right way. Cause I think my specialty with what I do is not just like taking really complex things and making them really easy to understand, but also it's the marketing and getting found and having your message be heard and getting exposed exposure for your podcast. And so I'm just super jazzed about that. We had 160 students go through the beta course. Many of them are now up on iTunes and on Stitcher and just thousands and thousands of downloads in 20 plus countries. And, you know, everybody from, you know, young people to, you know, I have a person who's in her seventies who just started her own podcast and Mm -hmm. uh, it's about ADHD and she's amazing. And it's just, it's just so cool to see everybody at all ages being able to, you know, utilize this medium to make the world a better place. It's just, it's just really cool. Just like what you're doing right here, Eric. So yeah. it's just my pleasure to, to help as many people as possible in that medium. Well, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm a product. Uh, this podcast is a product of your free tutorial that you, that you came out with, um, many years ago, I think three or four, five years ago, maybe. Um, and so what mm-hmm. is the, uh, if people want to sign up for the, um, podcasting course, what is that website? Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, poweruppodcasting.com. Along with the content there, unlike the free stuff, you get a lot of the marketing stuff that goes along with it, but also the community. Mm-hmm. So there's a community of other podcasters uh, there as well and office hours with me. So you're able to come in and ask questions and get immediate answers for them as you grow your show. And there's also a lot of cool things in there related to monetization and how to grow your community through your podcast and stuff too. Uh, but that's powerupppodcasting.com. Powerupppodcasting.com. Awesome. Um Okay, Pat, what, what have you read that I should read? And these are more rapid-fire questions, so we don't have to... What have you read that I should read? Something recent. Or- Dude, I'm okay. So, yeah, I, I'm literally just finishing up this book right now, and it's amazing, and it's so easy to, to implement, too. That's the big thing with books. Like, how can you implement these things? And this book is a self-published book, mm-hmm. but it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller, which is similar to, to Will It Fly, which is another reason what drew me to it. But the biggest reason is my buddy Chris Ducker told me about it. It's called... The Coaching Habit. Oh Say my less, gosh. Yes. Go ahead. Keep going. Ask More and Change the Way You Lead Forever by Michael Bunke Stainer. Um, I'm guessing you've read it or have heard about it. I have it right here on my library. I'm, uh, I'm about four chapters in. So that's awesome. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, it gets better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does? But it's good. really good. Like, yeah. I mean, with all the courses I have coming out, the workshops that I'll be doing in person with people, I think I want to now uh, focus on how can I better and more quickly and be uh, help people and be effective in that manner. And mm-hmm. through the questions that you ask, you can make the biggest impact. And that's what this book is kind of teaching us how to do. It's brilliant. No, the coaching habit, uh, I recommend it to, even though I'm four chapters in, it's great for, for network marketers. Anybody that's coaching or leading a team, uh, asking questions, is, and it takes the pressure off of you to feel like you have to have all the answers, right? Because people basically Dude, get right? to their own conclusions. Right. And then, you know, and then <laughs> the, um, it reminds me of uh, Ben Franklin's biography. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a really thick book, but I loved every moment of it. And there was one part I remember where he strategically would win arguments by just asking questions the whole time. And it, there was a large portion of the particular chapter I'm referencing that 
talks about how he just utilized these questions mm-hmm. to just win arguments all the time. And people hated him because of it. They <laughs> hated when he asked questions. Now, you won't be hated if you're actually helping people. You're not, you're not winning arguments right. um, necessarily when you're coaching. but mm-hmm. Or maybe you are. But um, <laughs> using questions is a very powerful thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. That's awesome. Um, what have you done that I should do? You should uh, – well, here's the thing. I recently took some time off about a week, and this was related to my time at Blackberry Farm where I was completely offline, completely not in, doing any business at all, and it was, it was a magical time. Mm. And it was just a nice breather in this very crazy, very fast-paced world. And um, you know, it was partly awesome because I was in a nice place with some amazing people and food, but – um, it was just also nice to unplug. So I don't know if you're unplugging at all, Eric, or those of you listening, if you're giving yourself time to breathe. Mm. Uh, but I think that's important and maybe on a smaller scale, but in a more committed kind of way, you can often include, uh, meditation into your regime too. I, I meditate every single morning. And when I first heard about meditation, I was like, what are you serious? This is like some woo woo thing. And right. everybody started talking about it. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot just to kind of see what the big deal is. Mm-hmm. And man, it's been a huge game changer for me for, uh, allowing myself to better focus on tasks that I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. It allows me to, when I get off task and I'm like, I'm in the zone and then I get out again. A lot of times it takes us like a half hour to an hour to get back to where we were. But after you start meditating, you, you just know how to get back to that state of mind in, in, when you're in the zone um, or in the flow much sooner. Um, and it's just helped reduce all that clutter in my brain. I think it's, it's you know, meditation or taking time off in some sort of way from the normal life that you have is, is key. Mm-hmm. So unplugging, even if you can just take two nights away and just unplugging, um, really thinking about bigger picture stuff um, can make a huge impact on you. Um, did you come out with, with newer ideas, a fresher perspective, more clarity? I mean, what is it that you... Yes, yes, yes. Yes, all of the above. All, all of, of it. The above. Mm-hmm. All of the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you're doing some work with the Pencils of Promise organization. Um do you want to share a little mm-hmm. bit about that or ways that we can plug into that organization a little bit? Yeah, well, Pencils of Promise is an organization that was created by a man named Adam Braun. Uh, he went to India once to help uh, some really poor parts of the country, and he was going around asking kids just kind of what what's one thing they wish they would want. He was really uh, interested to see that the, the answers he was getting were much different than what he thought. He thought people were going to say like a new bike or, you know, a video game system or all this kind of stuff. But um, more often than not, people said or the kids would say, like, I just want a pencil. Mm. Right? I just want to write. I just want to learn and all this stuff. So he created this organization to help countries that don't have easy access to education for their kids to get easy access to education. Mm-hmm. And through that organization, I've then became uh, an advisor for the organization. And I have built a couple schools in Ghana, Africa. It's one of the locations they work with. And it was just such an amazing experience to not only you know, be a catalyst for that campaign that I did. Um, this was actually a birthday campaign in December of 2014. I had my audience actually contribute $25,000 in total. Uh, and I said, if we were able to reach that goal, which they did, um, I would match that. So we uh, contributed over 50K mm. in, to Pencils of Promise. And at the time, it was $25,000 to build a school. So we built, we built two schools. And one of the schools in Ghana says on behalf of, or uh, brought to you, or uh, not brought to you by, um, th- this was uh, dedicated to the children of the school by uh, the Flynn family. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my family. And the other school that we built was 
by the SPI community. Like wow. it literally is an African now on a plaque at that school that the SPI, the Smart Passive Income Community, mm-hmm. is the reason why that school exists. So like how crazy is that? Um, and so just pencilsofpromise.org is, is, is what it is. Um, the website and there's a book by Adam Braun that's really good as well. It's called The, the Promise of a Pencil, I think. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, I'm wrapping it up and I'm going to ask you uh, just have you had have you done the TED Talk yet? Or are you going to do a TED Talk at some point? <laughs> I've, have, I've had opportunities to do the TEDx Talks, mm-hmm. but not yet a TED Talk. And they say that if you do a TEDx Talk, um, it's less likely that you'll get a chance to do a TED Talk if you are qualified. And I feel like I'm on a good trajectory to one day um, get to that point where a TED Talk would make complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it would just be an easy um, an easy you know yes for somebody who's making that decision on the other end. So. Yeah. We'll get to that point, but not yet. Okay. Have you you got it? You got it outlined. Do you know what you're going to talk about? Is it back no, to no, the no, future no. oriented? I mean, it could, uh, <laughs> well, most likely since everything is to me. Um, but uh, not yet. No, I haven't figured out what the content would be yet. Okay. All right. And uh, if you could have one guest that you've never had on the podcast that you've been just either you've never tried or you never thought you could have them on the podcast. Who would you want to have on Smart Passive Income? Well, Benjamin Franklin would be one, but I know that's not possible. <laughs> Somebody yet. living, preferably. Uh, okay, living, uh, Elon Musk. For Elon sure. Musk. Uh, um, founder of SpaceX, Tesla, co-founder of PayPal, um, SolarCity. Yep. He is somebody who really inspires me now to kind of help me out of my um, limited thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I always kind of, I'm surprised at the goals that I meet and I feel like a problem is I'm not thinking big enough. And if there's anybody in this world who's thinking big, it's definitely Elon Musk. And uh, I would love to interview him to learn more about it. Have you tried to reach out to him? Through. I have just tagged him a couple of times on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I haven't formally asked him yet. I'm almost like, I don't want to get in the way right now of what he's doing because he's got some big things coming up like the model s3 and you know uh, or the model 3 tesla and all this other stuff anyway i i have to also make sure that when that that moment actually happens i don't just giggle the whole time because i'm really excited so <laughs> kind of um, like the way i am talking to you right now <laughs> <laughs> no it, um but anyway elon musk would definitely be top of my list elon musk i think i'd love to have bono from you too Oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Uh, that would be my first choice, but that's just the first person that comes to mind. I think he'd be, he'd be pretty cool. Uh, but Elon Musk would be amazing. All right. Well, um, Pat, thank you so much for taking 45 minutes of your time to be with me. And uh, I know how valuable your time is. And uh, I'm truly honored that you would speak to our courageous community. Um, and uh, is there any... One last question, then, if if you could have one piece of advice for young leaders, up and coming leaders, from what you've learned and experienced, um, what would it be? Go toward that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when, whenever you're experiencing that fear, don't see it as something scary. See it as a sign that whatever it is that you're thinking of doing is worth it. That there's always something amazing on the other end. Yeah, that's good. That'll get you through a lot. All right, Pat. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the Courage Thank Cast, you, and uh, just honored to have you on. And and we will uh, 
uh, stay in touch. And I'm excited to see, uh, I'll be one of the first of the 100,000 or 300,000 or a million that listens to that Elon Musk episode when it comes out. Thank you. I appreciate you, Eric. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Pat. Okay, a few key takeaways from this episode. Number one, fear is not anything to be afraid of. Number two, the only way to overcome fear is with action. Number three, taking time to unplug is vital to a healthy life. Takeaway number four, consistency eventually overrides failure. And my fifth overall key takeaway from my interview with Pat Flynn, prioritize your learning. Just in time, learning. Pat's perception of fear has certainly evolved over the past few years, and hearing his story really challenged me. It was an honor to sit down with him. I know you personally have probably gleaned other things from this episode as well. So make sure and comment in the Courageous Community, on Facebook, on Instagram, or join the conversation in the Courageous Community on Patreon and let us know a few of your personal takeaways this week and what's going to change for you as a result of listening to this episode. All right, we're just about done here, and it's time to announce next week's guest. Next week on the podcast, September 5th, we're going to have the one and only T.C. Cannon. She is the author of Lord, Where Is My Calling? Powerful story of finding your purpose and how, to, how easy it is, actually, to find your purpose, but we make it so difficult. It's going to be a great episode. You're going to love it. Remember, go to patreon.com slash couragecast and find out what it means to be a Courage Cast patron of the show for less than $5 a month. Even $1 a month makes a huge difference. And sign up for our email list at CourageousCommunity.com and get the five steps to getting your confidence back at CourageousCommunity.com. If you enjoy this podcast, take 30 seconds and give this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks to Matt Price at mattpriceonline.com for providing the great bumper music for this show. For now, I'm Eric Nordoff. I'll be back next week with TC Cannon for another great episode of the Courage Cast. Until then, keep choosing to be courageous. Courageous.